Friends, Romans, and sports fans, lend me your ears. A major death in the sports world. On April 14th, Hank Steinbrenner, the oldest son of George Steinbrenner, and one of the four siblings uh, who owns controlling shares of the New York Yankees, died at the age of 63 at his home in Clearwater, Florida, because of a long-standing illness. What might be less known about Hank Steinbrenner and his family is their long involvement in motorsports. George Steinbrenner, his father, was a part owner for an IndyCar team in the 1970s. Hank sponsored a Top Fuel Dragster entry that was owned by legendary Paralyzed owner Daryl Gwynn. And Hank's son, George Michael Steinbrenner IV, is a co-owner of an IndyCar team whose current driver is Colton Herta from Valencia, California. Oh, hoo, hoo, yeah. This is the Catch My Eye podcast. Begins on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We will always have mercy on your ears. All you who listen, profess yourselves enemies to all other joys which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find that this alone felicitates your dear highness's love. Amen. All right, everybody. We do have another, besides Hank Steinbrenner, uh, who I will talk about a little more today, we do have another uh, death in the sports world, unfortunately. That would be um, Tavares Jackson. Now, if you are not a huge NFL fan, you probably do not know who Tavares Jackson was. But... He was a former Minnesota Vikings and Seattle Seahawks quarterback, and he died Sunday night in a car crash. He was 36. It was a one-man car crash. Or it was a, excuse me, it was a one-car car crash. I do not know if there was anybody else in the uh, car. It does not, it does, according to this ESPN uh, article, it does not say that there was anybody else in the car. But uh, Tavares Jackson was 36. He was a coach at Tennessee State University. Uh, the crash occurred about seven miles south of Montgomery, Alabama, where that was Tavares Jackson's hometown. But uh, he, he was one of these people who made a... He, was, he had a 10-year career... One of the guys who was a backup quarterback and he had made a very nice career as a backup quarterback. Uh, yes, very nice career. He was drafted 64th overall in 2006. He only started 21 regular season and playoff games. Well, he was drafted by the Vikings and he started 21 regular season and playoff games for the Vikings. Only one playoff game for the Vikings, uh, which he lost. He was a backup for most of his five seasons in Minnesota. They did win the NFC North title uh, in 2008. 
and uh, he ended. He was Brett Favre's backup in 2009-2010 for the 2000. And then in 2011, he signed with Seattle. Was a starter there for a season. He was seven and seven. He played with a torn pectoral muscle on his throwing side, so that's why he kind of became he became very popular in the locker room because he toughed it out. He got traded to Buffalo. Did not play a snap with the Bills. That was, in, and then he returned to Seattle in 2013, and was the backup at the time of their. Uh, Super Bowl victory over the Denver Broncos. That glorious Super Bowl victory. It's been way too long. 2014, 40, no, excuse me, 2014 was their horrific loss to the New England Patriots, 2013. Super Bowl 48 was the glorious 43-8 to beatdown of the Denver Broncos. But, so, he, so two, Sports figures that die pretty young ages. Hank Steinbrenner, obviously a lot more well-known than Tavares Jackson, dies at 63, and Tavares Jackson, backup quarterback mainly, Minnesota Vikings, for the Minnesota Vikings, and Seattle Seahawks, also dead at 36 because of a car crash. Only Tavares Jackson was a car crash. Uh, Hank Steinbrenner, because he was... Been sick for a long time. All right. Let, now let's get on to something that we all know we must do. And now I pray thee, take off thy dunce cap, put on thy gown of wisdom, because it is time for the quiz. All right, our last question was, who was the... Pitcher who threw a perfect game, one of 23 in the major in Major League Baseball history. Who was that uh, person? On September 30th, he threw 1984. September 30th, 1984, he threw a perfect game. Who was that pitcher? Uh, the answer to that question would be Mike Witt, the only Angels pitcher who has thrown a perfect game. It was at Arlington Stadium in Texas against the Texas Rangers. Uh, I guess there are a few people. Let's just say a very few number of people to witness this game. I mean, come on. It was kind of understandable. It was at the end of the season, right? September 30th. But ha! Look, just look at the length of this game. It was an hour 49. Oh, the commissioner and the baseball would be falling all over themselves if they if they could get hour 49 game time that would be so great in the minds of uh baseball people and baseball administrators but the attendance was 8375 not a whole lot of people could say that they saw Mike Witt's perfect game and let's put it this way if it hadn't been for the perfect game, it would not have been a particularly good game to go see, really. 
I mean, what was the final score? Uh, one to nothing. One to nothing. The lone run scored being by uh, Doug DeCincy's. So, uh, yeah. By the way, Doug DeCincy's was there. Yeah, they only had the Angels only had seven hits. The Texans Rangers obviously only had none, but it was one. It was one. Seven hits for the Angels. Two for four for Doug DeCensis. He scored the lone run. It was he got knocked in by Reggie Jackson, who went 0 for four. It was the end of the year. Probably everybody just wanted to go home, except for this fact that this weird thing called the perfect game happened. And so, I do have a question for you, though, in connection to this kind of, I will say, it's kind of, I'm going to say weird game, because it's, <laughs> it was a completely meaningless game, except for this perfect game thing going on. But, um, I'm going to ask you, there was a the opposing pitcher who pitched a darn good game. He just happened to run up against the dude who gets a no-hitter. Or, excuse me, a perfect game, which includes a no-hitter. He's a pretty darn famous pitcher. Uh, pitching for the Texas Rangers. He was also a very long-time pitcher. In fact, he pitched from 1970 to 1994, 25 years in the major leagues, 1970 to 1994, all right, I will also say that he had prior connections with, <coughs> shall we say Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, because it was that game six, he was one of the three pitchers in the 1977 Game 6 World Series, where Reggie Jackson, on three consecutive pitchers, pitches, delivered from three different, delivered from three different Dodgers pitchers, homeward in Game 6 of the 1977 World Series, in one of the most, in one of the famous World Series moments up there, I would say with the catch in the nineteen fifty world fifty four World Series by Willie Mays up there with the nineteen um fifty six Don Larson perfect game up there with the uh nineteen sixty Bill Mazeroski walk off home run in game seven against the in game seven against the New York Yankees. I wanna say the I want to say Bill Wamsgantz for the who was it the Cleveland Indians was it the I'm trying to remember if his triple play came his unassisted triple play came in the World Series I can't remember uh, needless to say that's probably not as well known as the other ones <laughs> but uh, or like the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Joe Carter, walk-off home run 
off of Mitch Wild Thing. That's his nickname, Mitch the Wild Thing Williams of the Philadelphia uh, Phillies. Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. He homered off in Game 7 of the 1970, Game 6 of the 1977 World Series. He homered off of this pitcher who opposed Mike Witt in the September 30th, 1984 game that Mike Witt, in which Mike Witt pitched a perfect game. All right, so who is this uh, pitcher? Again, obviously a very long-time pitcher from 1970 to 1994. Wow. Wow, 1970. In the AL for 13 years. In the NL for 13 years. Although, wait. Maybe the O. Okay, maybe he got traded. Yeah, he got. Tr looks like he got traded mid-season in 1980. So, that's kind of... In fact, he got... Looks like he got swapped three times in 1980. From Toronto to the Dodgers back. Oh, and then to Texas. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's why he was in there for 13 years in both seasons, even though 1970 and 1994 is only 25 seasons. But there you go. Who was this uh, pitcher? I will say he was with Texas for 11 years. That's obviously during the 19... <clears throat> that was during the 80s, from eight, from 80 to 90. He, he was with the Dodgers for 11 years. That was obviously during the 70s, right? 70 to 80. That's when Reggie Jackson homered off of him. Dodgers were in the World Series in 77. And then he was with Florida for a couple years and the White Sox for a couple years. He ended the season with he ended with Florida, the Florida Marlins. Okay, so who is this pitcher? Remember, email catchmyeyepodcast at gmail dot com. C a t c h m y e y e p o d c a s t at gmail dot com. If you think you know who was opposing Mike Witt in his historic perfect game, right at the end of the nineteen eighty four season, the lone. Perfect game by uh, the angel by an Angels pitcher. I will not say California or Los Angeles or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or Anaheim because <coughs> apparently the location seems to change as the years go by. Although actually they did kind of change. They changed from the they did go from the Dodger Stadium to uh, to. Angel Stadium, they were in... Oh, no, they called it Chavez Ravine. They didn't want to call it Dodger Stadium when they were there early on. But they were in Dodger Stadium early on. All right. So remember, email Catch My Podcast with the correct answer. I do want to get to uh, an interesting little tidbit, by the way. Uh, so, as I mentioned, Hank Steinbrenner, he was a, 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 spon a, a sponsor of a top-fuel dragster. He 
you can go look at uh, go to this article. Daryl Gwynn. Daryl Gwynn remembers the late Hank Steinbrenner. This uh, competition plus. Drag Racing's internet magazine established 1999. They have a picture of Daryl Gwynn, Hank Steinbrenner, with their New York Yankees top field dragster. But uh, yeah, so he he wanted to sponsor a top field dragster, and Daryl Gwynn says sure. But Daryl Gwynn, according to Gwynn, he he didn't know he was sick, but. Uh, they kept in touch. They texted back and forth a couple of months, and he said he wanted to come out to the uh, Steinberg. He said he wanted to come out to the Gator Nationals this year. Of course, I don't exactly know the schedule, but I'm pretty sure the Gator Nationals are was early on, so that was not going to be a meet that unless they moved it later down the road. It's already gotten canceled with the coronavirus, but. Hank Stein, I did not know Hank Steinbrenner and the Steinbrenner family were so into motorsports. Now, the funny thing is, is the reason how I learned about this is I was reading this article. Yankees co-owner Hank Steinbrenner dies at 63 after lengthy illness uh, on ESPN.com. And the reason why I, I decided to look up this thing, it says... In this third paragraph of this article, it says, uh, this article is by ESPN News Services. It came out of April 14th, 2020. It says, third paragraph, a chain smoker and miniature drag racer. Hank hoped to succeed his father as the team's controlling owner. Between the 2007 and 2008 seasons, he became the public voice of, Yanke of the Yankees' ownership. A chain smoker and miniature drag racer. Okay, I get what chain smoker means. Miniature drag racer. Like, what the heck does that mean? I get the drag racer part. There's no such thing as a miniature drag racer, okay? No such thing. There is such a thing as junior dragster. That is for, you know, little kids uh, to get them introduced into drag racing. It goes from all the way to... Like these little tiny dragsters, like with basically <coughs> lawnmower engines, <laughs> super tiny engines. To some, those are like for the little tiny kids, like seven years old. We're talking that tiny. Uh, and so they go really down line. They go really young, and to some pretty big ones that go. Uh, so that goes that go fairly fast for the teenagers and stuff like that. But there's no such thing as a mini miniature drag racer. And besides, Hank Steinbrenner, he was not a miniature drag racer. He was a sponsor of a top fuel dragster, like one of two the two top uh, classes in. NHRA, okay. Uh, it's debatable whether Funny Car is more popular than Top Fuel. It's, they're they're pretty much equal, but clearly it's the those are the two things. And he was also sponsoring Daryl Gwynn's uh, Dragster. He was Daryl Gwynn's the owner now. 
Daryl Gwynn also is not like just a nobody owner, okay? Uh, in 2000, they had the 50 top drivers in uh, Worlds in the NHRA.com put out like 50 top drivers in their history. Number 32 was Daryl Gwynn, and he was racing from 19. May 1980 to April 1990. And uh, apparently this article on NHRA.com, 50 top drivers, over the course of that, of his career only, Bob Glidden and Kenny Birdstein won more national events than Daryl Gwynn. But unfortunately, on April 15, 1990, he crashed in England at the Santa Pod Raceway. And he was paralyzed, lost part of his left arm. And his career was over as a racer. But he did return to drag racing. And... Yes, he became an owner, and yes, he partnered up with Hank Steinbrenner to put out a, a New York Yankees dragster. So no, Hank Steinbrenner was not a miniature drag racer, whatever the heck that means. All right, we now unless something comes up, we're gonna return. Uh, we're gonna return to the. Next, on Saturday, we're going to return um, out of time right now. We're going to return to football. The Rams have signed a couple kickers to replace Greg Zerline. We'll see if they do anything else in that department. We'll talk about that. The Clippers, a one of, a, one of their members of the front office, is going to interview for a another position with another team. And the... We have some a little bit of Seahawks news as well. Uh, another offensive lineman. They re-sign another offensive lineman. So, back to foot. Excuse me. Back to football. Unless something changes. Uh, kind of a little preparation for Saturday. And we'll see you next time. Again, remember to email catchmyipodcast at gmail.com. With the answer to who was that opposing pitch, uh, pitcher opposing Mike Witt on September 30th, 1984, who already had some history with Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. And again, I thank you for listening to the podcast. Rate it on iTunes. Leave any comments on there you want to, if you want to. Uh, if you want to email, catch my own podcast with comments about the show, please do so. Right. And again, I. Uh, before I get out of here, I do want to thank uh, the Blessed Trinity and the Holy Family, also my patron saints, Francis Saver and James the Grander, as well as my family, uh, my guardian angel, my grandmother, Uncle Paul, my favorite uncle, <laughs> and also Brian Seaman, Adam Osland, and Noah Eagle, the spirited, the triumvirate of Clippers announcers, great Clippers announcers. And again, remember, everything in this podcast is completely mine, all opinion whatsoever. It's all mine. Do not ascribe it to any of those that I thanked. 
See you next time, Bonsuelo. The Catch My Eye podcast is dead, my lord. That's but a mistake. You lords and noble friends know our intent. What comfort for this intervening time shall be applied. Nevertheless, your present business is general woe. Friends of my soul, you the gourd state sustain until we meet again a few days from hence. Email catchmyeyepodcast at gmail.com. I have a journey, lords, shortly to go. My master calls me. I must not say no.